It really is a privilege to enter into our last session. I tell you, it's hard to believe that we are in our last session. Uh, I, I tell you what, this is, to be quite honest with you, I probably have experienced the anointing of God uh, preparing for these sessions, doing these sessions, perhaps in a way I've never had before. You know, it's just amazing. The love of God is amazing. We say this a lot, but it bears repetition. We need to major in the majors. The major is God wanting intimacy with us in a profound fashion. Glory to God. And when we enter in, no matter what we do, it has to be in the context of intimacy. I mean, you want to overcome sin? I mean, I mean it's wonderful, but overcoming sin doesn't happen until you enter into intimacy with God. Really, uh, the key to overcoming sin is seeing the face of the one that you love to a point that you can't stand. Seeing tears flow down his eyes by hurting him through your sin. It is the answer to everything. The Bible says in the book of Daniel, those who know their God will do exploits. It is the key to everything. Knowing him. I've shared this again before, but it just bears repetition. You know, Mark 3, 14, Jesus said, I've called uh, 12 men to be with me, that they might know me. They, not, they might be with me. And then to do the work of the ministry, to preach the gospel, to cast out demons and heal the sick. And that is in Philippians 3, 10. It's, it's again repeated the same order. Paul said, I've given up everything to know him the power of his resurrection, and then becoming, uh, really entering into the fellowship of his sufferings, which is really compassion, preaching the gospel, binding up the brokenhearted, deliverance to the captives, physical wholeness. I, I mean, intimacy is everything. Everything we do has to be relational. First with God, and, and then if you're married with your spouse, it's all about intimacy. It's all about relationship. I do a lot of marriage counseling, and so often I can tell when a marriage is going to go downhill. A man or a woman comes in, and they, they, it's like their husband's struggling with something. They're, and, uh, you know, their wife is struggling with something. I'm not saying if there's abuse or something that, man, you should stay there and get battered. But what I'm saying is instead of seeing it as an opportunity to minister to the spouse. Man, they see it as an inconvenience. Well, you've got to basically, you know, oh, man, shape up or ship out. I mean, that's not the way it's supposed to be. Man, with our children. Our children are going to go through things, whether it's the, man, terrible twos or whether it's the terrible teens at times. I'm not speaking negatively. I'm telling you something. They're trying to find their identity. They're going to go through some things. They're going to do some things that are bring challenges to you. But it's an opportunity to love them. It's not an inconvenience. It's an opportunity to love them. Everything you do has to be relational. I mean, in the body of Christ, it's not about gaining a position in the church. It's not about, you know, doing this or doing that, serving on this committee. It's about relationship. Man, loving one another. I mean, in an amazing way. So, so when an unbeliever comes in, they sense and see and perceive the love of God. Even the unsaved. It's about relationship. You don't share the gospel to fulfill an obligation. You don't share the gospel to get another notch on your belt. You share the gospel because, man, you love somebody. 
you might not even know them. They may have done you wrong. Man, when, when you share the gospel with them, they may curse you. But you continue because you love them. It is all about relationship. Glory to God. Aren't you, aren't you glad that our God is a God of relationship? He's not, not a God of man. He's mantras he's not a god of icons and statues he's not he's not a god of man uh, this or that he's he's a god of relationship all right with that i tell you we're going to go up with fireworks tonight but you know this is uh, i mean that the topic is his life your life that, that that's the topic tonight and uh of course the series is praying through god's heart the key to answered prayer but i want to start out by giving you a definition of prayer. And prayer in general is simply communicating with God. It's not just asking him for things, but it's interacting with him. Glory to God. It's not presenting a laundry list to him that you want him to fulfill. It's interaction with him. You sharing your heart with him, him sharing your heart with you. But in the context of entering into receiving from God, I just wrote this down of something so simple but so powerful Prayer, oh, glory to God, is receiving God's life, becoming your life due to the grace in Christ Jesus. I'm going to say that again. Prayer, receiving prayer, is receiving God's life, becoming your life due to the grace of God in Christ Jesus. That's what we're going to talk about. It's my favorite subject. It gets me so excited. I, I, honestly, sometimes I can... Man, I, I just meditate on this. I really do. Uh, in the morning, in the afternoon, at night. His life, my life. I'm writing a devotional right now. It's taking a while, but, you know, uh, uh, but it's, it's called His Life, My Life. Glory to God. It's amazing. It's nothing less than, than, than amazing glory to God. But you see, God wants us to enter into understanding that the gospel Here's, here's the gospel. The gospel is that Adam and Eve, and he represented all of us. And we all sinned, and there's no one, none righteous, none sought after God. There's no one that would have not done what Adam and Eve did in exchanging the very glory of God for soul life, wanting to enter into really being God himself, determining truth. And we see that today in an amazing way. In the United States, my truth, my truth, my truth. Can I tell you something? Your truth will lead you to hell because you don't know what truth is. You don't have the ability to enter in to coming up with what truth is. We're not called to determine truth. We're called to follow truth. And Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. But man, you know, the gospel is that God gave man the opportunity. He gives you and I the opportunity to make right decisions, but we made wrong decisions. And, and, and man, we exchanged the glory of God. Man, for another God called self. A.W. Tozer said, man, the greatest demon he ever heard of was named self. And, and you know what? We, we walked away from God. And the bottom line is this. God came to redeem us, but not just to redeem us, but man, he said, we, we can't live the life. You guys aren't living the life. There's no way you can because right now you, you, you keep choosing death. He said, so what I'm going to do, I'm going to shed my blood to the point where you have a born again spirit and I'm going to cause 
the Holy Spirit himself, the third person of the Trinity, to live in you, glory to God, to live the life through you. That's the gospel, glory to God. But it is amazing, and we're going to look in why it's amazing, glory to God. So I, I tell you, like I said, we're going to enter into fireworks. We have some very glorious testimonies at the end, but everything we do is, is, is really, is, is just, I, I, I tell you, it's amazing because it's God's word. All right, go with me to Philippians 4.13, if you would. And uh, the King James Version says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That verse, honestly, has really saved more lives and caused Christians to walk in victory unversely than any other verse I know of. Glory to God. I mean, it's on T-shirts. It's on, you know, it's on, it's on about everything you can think of, billboards and everything else. I, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The Amplified Version, I believe, is so awesome in the context of it brings out the Greek in a very powerful way. And it says, I can do all things through Christ who infuses the life of Jesus into me. So it's not I who live, but he who lives. And I'm ready for anything. And can overcome anything that comes my way. Shh, glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. The word infusion is the key in that scripture. Strength is the key in the King James Version. Infusion is the, is the key to what we just shared. I have a, just a, a, a dictionary definition of infusion. It means for something, a virtue or something that goes into someone else that produces after like kind. Mm. You know, we, we see infusion in, in, in a lot of different ways, but I, I, I'm, we're gonna, we'll look at some examples. I mean, you can have something infused into you that can bring you death. You know, uh, the COVID-19, I, I, I mean, bacteria, it can bring death to you if it gets into you. Man, if somebody laces uh, a drink you have, no matter what you're drinking, whether it's ginger ale or whatever, and they lace it with a degree of arsenic, that arsenic will get into you, and it will produce after like kind. It, it will cause death to come to you. It will destroy you. Uh, you know, there are infusion in regards to cancer. Uh, they infuse different uh, things into somebody uh, based on, you know, medicine that they have seen viable in regards to being able to destroy the cancer cells. The, it, you know, it's infusion. Infusion. Now, I want you to understand something. It's so easy to minimize God. It's so easy to minimize the Word of God. Because... We look at things from our frame of reference. And so many of us, I, I, I think about everybody that's alive today, everyone listening to my voice. Man, we grew up in an imperfect world. We went to school with imperfect kids. We were raised by imperfect parents. We go to a church where people are imperfect. Man, we live in a world that's imperfect with, man, very hurtful people. Man, so many people have been bullied, betrayed. Man, beat up and hurt, sexually abused, domestically abused. Man, love second best. I, I mean, really, 
and we've experienced loss. We've, ex you know, we've been, man, entered into, you know, really experiencing curse, grief, sorrow, harm. I know, you know, my mother had spinal bifida, most of you know my testimony. Man, growing up and her pain, I mean, incredible pain. 17 back operations. Back then they thought they could cure spinal bifida through operations. Of course you can't. And just the pain, night and day, the screams. I'll be honest with you, before I was a Christian, man, my mind wasn't right. Hurt people hurt people. Man, I could, honestly, I don't even want to get into what I was like. But see, her pain got into me. Man, her grief got into me. Her, man, it got into me. And it made me, honestly, it, it just caused me to, her hurt got into me and caused me to be a hurtful person. Man, I can't even tell you. You know, just uh, things that, uh, but Jesus, Jesus, just say that with me. Say that name, Jesus. Jesus has come to live in us through the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Ghost. We see uh, a very powerful scripture in Philippians 1.21. Philippians 1.21, Paul, in the context, he's talking about, you know, he's getting, he's, he's older now. And he said, I'm in a plot between two. And to make a decision, either to stay here, which would be better for you guys, but I want to go home. Sometimes when you're so close to God, you can tell him you want to go home. But you do it after you live your life, amen, out, amen, not just in a suicidal fashion. But he said, but I know I need to stay here. For, for, for me to be here is for your benefit, for your blessing. And, and the scripture says in Philippians 1.21, for me to live is Christ. What a statement. For me to live is Jesus Christ. Now, what's he mean by that? Now, obviously, there's only one Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God. But he's talking about the reality of the Spirit of God infusing the life of Jesus Christ into us so that we speak like Jesus. We live like Jesus. We minister like Jesus. We enter into his character. Not just by imitation, but through the reality of the anointing that he lived by when he walked to earth 2,000 years ago. Now, Jesus was anointed because of his perfection. Obviously, we're not anointed. The Spirit of God is not in us because of our perfection. It's in us because Jesus has gifted to us his perfection, his righteousness, glory to God. So... He who knew no sin, became sin, tasted sin, entered in to dying like us. He entered in to who we were so we could become who he is. And we're going to look at that more in depth. So that verse, Philippians 1.21. Now most people hear that and say, ah, that can't mean that. Well, you know what? It does mean that. The Bible means what it says. It says what it means. You see, we have some such teaching as Romans 7 teaching. The things I want to do, I, I, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I end up doing. And we, we ascribe that to the Christian. Now, honestly, there is nothing more <laughs> deceptive, more pathetic 
than that. Now, that doesn't mean people that teach that don't love God. They've never been taught about Romans 8 themselves. They love God. But what I'm telling you is this. Man, people hear Philippians 1.21, and it's like, that can't be. But I'm going to get across to you in this last session. This is what it means to be a Christian. Why do you think they, you're called a Christian? It's because, glory to God, God has given you his name because you're like him. Man, Romans 8, 29 and 30 says our destiny is to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. How do we get conformed to the image of Jesus? It's through entering into learning the order of God. And that's what we're going to share tonight. Glory to God, the order of God of how, man, not to let the flesh reign in your life, not to let the world reign in your life, not to let the devil reign in your life, but to let Jesus reign in your life through the power of the empowerment of grace through the Holy Ghost. All right. Oh, glory to God. All right, let's go to Mark 5, 25 to 35. Glory to Jesus. Mark 5, 25 to 35. The Bible says there is a woman who had an issue of blood, meaning that she just bled constantly, 24-7. Can you imagine that? I mean, she bled from her female parts just 24-7. I mean, she stank. She, she, she couldn't stop it. She went to doctors. She spent all that she had, but rather grew worse. Man, she, she had lost hope. Man, she couldn't go out in public because she was unclean. And then she heard of Jesus. The Bible says she heard of Jesus. Ooh, what, what, ooh glory. The Jesus she heard about was a healing Jesus. The Jesus she heard about was a, oh, glory to God, a, a, a glorious Jesus. He's not a Jesus that made people sick. He made, is a Jesus that made people well. She heard of a Jesus that was glorious. She heard of a Jesus that was Messiah. She heard of a Jesus had virtue that flowed from him, glory to God. She heard of a Jesus, man, that, that loved people. She heard of a Jesus that she knew in her heart that was her provision. How'd she know that? Well, obviously someone told her about what was going on. Man, everybody that touches his garment gets healed. Virtue flows out of him. And she knew it was true. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But man, people were sharing their testimonies and faith can come that way as well because it's a validation of the word of God. So she says, you know what? If I, she kept saying to herself, she kept saying, you can tell when you have faith, you'll say it. I believe, therefore I spoke, 2 Corinthians 4, 13. She said, if I just touch him, whoo, if I just touch him, I will be whole. So she crawls on her hands and knees through the, through the press, through the crowd. She touches the hem of his garment. I believe his garment was through transfiguration. Man, see, I believe when Jesus prayed, man, transfiguration wasn't a one-time thing as he conveyed to the, uh, you know, the apostles. He let them in on it in Mark 9, Luke 9, Matthew 17. I believe it was consistent. So while she touches him in the glory that emanated from him, went through his clothes, just like it went through the clothes of Paul and his aprons and the handkerchiefs he sent out, and demons left the people and people were healed, how much more so with Jesus? She touches him. Man, there's a crowd thronging him. And Jesus says to his apostles, who touched me? And they said, Master, 
Man, there's thousands of people touching you. you can, you're going through this, this crowd. But you see, someone touched her with faith. And this is what I'm sharing with you now. It's, man, a thousand people can touch him, but who, but who touched him in faith? Man, there are a lot of people, man, you know, they get, they, you can get a thousand people praying for you. But unless they enter into praying by faith, it doesn't matter if you have a thousand or ten thousand people praying for you. And here's what he said. Virtue has gone out of me. Oh, glory to God. What happened when she touched him? What was in him went into her. And the life of God that was in Jesus now was in her body. And the life of God brought healing and wholeness in an instant. Glory to God. She, you know, she fell down. You know, and just told him the whole story. He said, woman, our faith has made thee whole. Man, here's what's exciting. You know, people have this idea. Of, it's, I call it false sovereignty. There's a true sovereignty, you know, regarding giftings and different things. But, you know, well, God will heal just those he wants. And then he wants some people to die who will save people he wants and let other people go to hell. That's his will and on and on. Can I tell you something? This negates sovereignty 100%. Jesus did not determine who would get healed by touching him. He didn't even know who touched him. His virtue was not under lock and key. It was openly accessible, glory to God, and easily obtainable. I'm going to say it again. It was openly accessible and easily obtainable. We See, we make things so difficult. Man, when people pray, we're, we're begging God. We're, you know, we're making it so difficult. It's like, well, if I live, if I just live above most people, and man, for six weeks, or I fast for 40 days, and they, they don't hear me. And, not, and it's not about that. If I, it's not about repetition. It's not about mantras. It's about understanding what the gospel is. It's understanding what the gospel is. This lady did not have, a, a, you know, a, a, a degree in theology. Oh, she knew what was in Jesus was hers. Oh, she knew was he had a right to touch him. Oh, she knew is when she touched him, what was in him was going to come into her. That's all you need to know. See, that, that, oh, glory to God. I, I, you know, John 17, 26 is the way I'm going to end this. But it's, it's my hallmark verse. It's my last verse. Man, I, I, can't, I, I can't wait to the end. I just got to say it now. The last thing Jesus uttered, man, before he, he left Gethsemane. He said, oh, Jesus. And you know, John 14 to 17 is one discord. John 17 is the high priestly prayer of Jesus. First five verses of John 17, he prays for himself. The next 21 verses, he prays for you and me. And he says, Father, I have declared thy name. I have manifested thy name. The name of healer, the name of savior, the name of comforter, the name of forgiveness, the name of love. I have manifested men through the three and a half years that I ministered, but I'm not stopping now. I'm going to manifest it when I'm as an intercessor at your right hand, when the blood shed and when you raise me, I'm going to be declaring then and I'm going to be declaring through the body of Christ, glory to God. Hallelujah. That, that, yes, their name again. And he says, I'm going to be, keep declaring thy name so I can manifest the name through the Holy Ghost. Here's why. 
so that the love that you love me with might be in them and I in them. See, there we go again. We're talking about oneness. His life, your life. God wants to be one with you in the context of intimacy. He wants his love to be in you. He doesn't want you just to talk about it. He doesn't want you to hope for it. He wants you to experience it every day. He wants the same love that went into him through transfiguration, through the voice of God, through eating of Jesus, through eating of the Father, through the Word, mm. through the grace of the Holy Ghost. When man, he, he had to enter in and undergo the cross. He wants the same love, the same power to be in you. The voice that he heard on my transfiguration. This is my son and whom I delight in. He wants that voice to come to you and be in you. Can you imagine that? You know, there's a song I love. I, I can only imagine talking about heaven. But I like to imagine the way that Jesus was loved and then enter into it through this verse, glory to God. I and you're loving them, Father, and I in them. This is the gospel. His life, my life. Glory to Jesus. Mark 5, 25 to 35. To me, is such a type of the gospel itself. Glory to God. We see it in John 15, 7. Jesus said, if you abide in me, in me, get those words, in me, and my words abide in you, then you shall ask what you will and it will be done for you. See, when his words are in you, notice abide in you. Man, these words, the, the, the Bible, they become who you are. The scriptures aren't just something you quote. They're not just something you confess. They are that which becomes who you are. Glory to God. Well, how's it become who you are? Man, by meditating in a day and night, by immersing yourself in it. How do you, man, if my words abide in you and abide in me, how do you abide in him? Man, through loving him. But most of all, seeing that he's put you in him through the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. And we're going to look at that in just a minute. I, 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 I know you, you said you're passionate. How can you not be passionate when you understand what the gospel is? How awesome is God? How awesome is God? And he says, my life, my love, my faith, my wisdom, my purity, we're going to look at these things, is in you. So who I am, you can be also. Conform to my image. Glory to God. All right. Oh, there's so much here. You know, I think of times I've heard on the news where, you know, a little boy or girl has fallen down into a deep well. And they can, there's no way they can get into the well, into the crevice where she is to get her out or him out. And somehow... They come up with something in, in the context of technology. They get into the well where they're at so they can lift them out. Whether it's a miner that's caught in a coal mine. Whether it's a little boy or girl in a well. The key is how to get into where they're at. So they can harness them and, and lift them out. 
Jesus died so he could lift you out of the miry clay and me as well. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. All right, go with me to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 5. In Ephesians 2, it, it talks about that, man, we were children of wrath. Man, we were evil in, in the first few verses of Ephesians 2. But then it says, even while we were dead in our trespasses and sins, we're dead. There was no hope. There's no hope for a dead man. We were dead. We might have been walking like we're alive, but we're dead. Anybody that's not born again right now, you are dead. Because your spirit's dead, and that's what enables you to communicate with God. That's why salvation's a gift. You know, God gives you faith to believe that you know, it's, it's saving faith. That's not in you, but he brings to you. But it says in Ephesians 2, 5, glory to God, and it goes on in 6, 7, and 8. 9 and 10, it shares that while you were dead in your sins, and I'm going to put Ephesians 2, 5, the 10 with Galatians 2, 20. That when you are dead in your sins, in Galatians 2, 20, it says, I've been crucified with Christ. No longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. It goes with the, with, with the verse of 1 John 3, 8, the second part of it says, Jesus destroyed the works of the devil, which was your evil nature. Glory to God. And it goes with 2 Corinthians 5.21. It says, He who knew no sin became sin, that you might enter into becoming the righteousness of God in Christ. Listen to me. Jesus just did not die for you. He died as you. He became who you were. And who I was in my sinfulness. He didn't ever sin, but man, he tasted it. He felt the separation from the Father, Psalm 22 was. He felt the inability to overcome. He, man, he felt what it was like to commit sin. He felt, man, the inability, the oppression, the destruction. Jesus, 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 Jesus. And the Bible says that when he Became sin, like us. He destroyed it. The law of negation. He became the evil. In the context, he never sinned. But in the context of experiencing, tasting it, purging us from it, bearing it. And in doing that, man, our sinful nation, I mean, our sinful nature was broken. You read Romans 6, 4, man, reckon yourself dead unto sin. Man, because even as, man, Christ died, you died with him. It's amazing. It's a spiritual deal. You might not be able to understand it, but it's for real. Your, your evil nature died with him. But then the Bible says when he was raised from the dead, we were raised with him. And we sat down at the right hand of the Father with him. Glory to God. You see, God Almighty is awesome. But through this reality of his death and resurrection, we were not at the right hand of God. You are in Christ. What's that mean? What does that mean? Well, if you're in somebody's house, amen. It's not your house, but you are in them. And everything that house consists of is yours. Man, when Noah and his sons and, you know, and their wives were on the ark, 
They weren't the ark, but they were in the ark. And everything the ark provided for, they had. You are literally in Christ Jesus. Man, if you could see Jesus sitting at the right hand of God. See, the Father looks at Jesus and he sees man. Woo, glory to God. It's the man Christ Jesus, 1 Timothy 2.5. Man, Jesus Christ is almighty God at the right hand of the Father. But listen to me. There's a man sitting on the right hand of God. I said there's a man sitting on the right hand of God. And that man is you because you're in him. And when the Father looks at Jesus, he sees man. He sees redeemed man. He sees a man that's whole. He sees, doesn't see a man that's in sin. He doesn't see a man struggling with pornography. He doesn't see a man of selfishness. He sees you in Christ. But it goes on to say in Ephesians 2, glory to God, that through the exceeding glory in this man Christ Jesus, he is now the cause that you, because you're in the man Christ Jesus, now the cause of the man Christ Jesus to be in you. Woo, I'm going to say this. Jesus Christ is amazing. And you are in the amazing one. But then the amazing one through the Holy Ghost is in you. You in Christ and Christ in you. Wow. See, this is how it works. Man, you say, God, someone says, I got four-stage cancer. But Lord, I believe that I'm whole. I'm calling those things which be not on the earth as though they are because in heaven they are. Jesus looks over, looks at Jesus Christ. He said he didn't have cancer. Holy Ghost, take what is in Jesus in wholeness and put it in that person through my healing name and destroy the cancer and bring the glory forth. This is how we live. Oh, if we could only see it, and I believe we will. Again, Jesus, pray, Jesus paid the hellish price. Mark 14, 33. He entered into deep depression, the Bible says. He entered in, uh, uh, honestly, to, to a different realm. He was sore amazed, the Bible said. If it wasn't for angels, he would have been destroyed right there. Just, just thinking about him becoming sin. Why? So he could become your life. Let, let's get specific on this. I just got specific with healing. But, but impurity. So many people in the age we're living, they struggle with sexual purity. Can I tell you something? Sexual purity. Jesus walked in sexual purity in an amazing way. That purity is in you through the Holy Ghost. I can honestly tell you, I walk in this in a very strong degree. Man, I, I went to a funeral one time. Just shook a kid's hand I went to high school with. He called me up later and said, what's up with you? I said, what's up with you? He said, man, when I touched your hand, when you shook my hand, I, I, he said, I was into pornography. I went home and burned all my pornographic material. He said, what happened? I said, oh, I know it's Jesus and me. I guess God on you and the Jesus that God on you, man, caused you to do what you didn't even know you were doing. You see, the life of Jesus the life of Jesus. There's nothing like it in the world. We're growing in greater depths of it day by day as we enter into his word. See, God's given you his word to claim, which is who he is. 
And as you claim the word through the scriptures, the spirit of God goes into motion. Just like when Jesus saw into the Father, what creation was to be looked like. He spoke what he saw, and the Holy Ghost created what he spoke. When you see who Jesus Christ is, and you say, this is who I am because of the blood. It's a gift. Man, every character trait of God, every iota of life is a gift due to the blood that was shed. On Calvary's tree, the straps that were taken by Jesus Christ. So when you say, man, I see that Jesus walked in purity. And you say, God, I thank you. Man, I, I, I'm struggling in this area. But I think it's no longer I who live, but Christ. Woo, glory to God, something starts to happen. I said, something starts to happen. I said, something starts to happen. In Christ, the life of Jesus. Starts to manifest through you. The faith of God. Man, you read Ephesians 3, 16 and 17. And it says this. That the spirit of God, the spirit of might is on the inside of you under faith and love. See, the apostle Paul knew the scriptures, obviously, in the old covenant. See, in Isaiah 11, he talked about Jesus quoted from Isaiah 61, Isaiah 60, Isaiah 11, Isaiah 42. And Isaiah 11, it talked about the spirit of might. Man, that was everything. That's why Samson could lift up, you know, 10,000 pounds, the gates of a city, actually more than five tons. And he says, man, the spirit of might is on the inside of you. That's why it says in Ephesians 3.20, you can do exceedingly and abundantly beyond whatever you can even ask or think. He can do that because of the Holy Ghost in you. See, we think of praying as begging, trying to get God to do something. Praying is receiving infusion. The life of Christ infused to you as you claim the scripture of who he is. God infuses the reality of the scripture you're proclaiming and causing it to manifest in your life. The faith of God. Man, there are times when I feel weak in faith. And God says, you feel weak. It seems weak. But start quoting the reality that through the new birth, you've been given the measure of faith. Start quoting the reality of Galatians 2.20. That it's my faith that's in you. Start quoting the reality of Philippians 4.13. Of the infusion power of God to cause the faith that I've given you through the new birth. Through the Holy Ghost for it to be manifested. I, I, I mean, I could, oh man, I could tell you. I, I was praying for a lady one time with cancer. And, and I said, God, I don't sense faith. And then I just start claiming the faith of God, the faith of Jesus, the same faith that caused the leper to be healed, the same faith, glory to God, a measure of the same faith that caused the universe to come about. And man, I just told her, I said, I guarantee you, she's a Baptist lady. I said, I guarantee you, you will live and not die. I guarantee you, this will happen, this will happen. She shares our healing meetings every time we have one. Shares with everybody she knows. See, it's so exciting. It was the faith of Jesus Christ. 
Man, God doesn't cause you to love with a different love than cause God to send his only begotten son. For God so loved the world. They gave his only begotten son, right? That whoever believes on him should not perish but have everlasting life. Man, the love that, that causes you to love the unlovely, that causes you to forgive the one who has harmed you, that causes you to pray for somebody. Man, when you shared the gospel with them, they, they cursed you. And you just say, man, I love you. I love you. But you see what's so exciting? It is the same love that caused Jesus to die for you. It's the same love that caused the Father to send his Son. It's the same love. It's not an iota different. Romans 5.5 5 says the love of God, not the love of an angel, not the love of Peter or Paul. The love of God has been shed abroad in your hearts by the Holy Ghost. Wow. Lord Jesus, intimacy with God. Let's just go with this one first. Passion for God. I hear so many people, I, I, I hear people say, I, I just don't have the passion for Jesus that I once had. Or how do you get passion? And I hear it a lot too when they say it for their spouse. It's like, Man, I, I just don't have passion for him anymore. Or, I don't have passion for her anymore. How do you, first of all, how do you get passion? It's Christ in you, giving you the passion, causing the passion that he had. To be manifested in your life. You know, Jesus had a passion for his church to be a house of prayer. He, man, he, he, he risked his life to rid the temple of, the, you know, of these people that were, you know, just defaming and degrading and desecrating his house. And the disciples said after he did this, they, they reminded the scripture that the zeal the zeal of God had consumed him. See, Christ is in you by the Holy Ghost to give you the same passion that Jesus had for the Father. The same exact passion. Man, I, you got to get in the morning and say, Father, thank you. Woo, I worship you. I worship you for who you are. I worship you. That for me to live is Christ. Lord, I thank you. Man, for the passion you've given me to love Jesus. The passion you've given me to fellowship with the Holy Ghost. The passion you've given me to glorify your name, Father. The passion. Where's it come from? from you just, it comes from the reality of understanding what the gospel is. A lot of people say to me, man, I've been dry for 18 months. And I said, Really? Yeah, i just been in a desert land. And I said, I curse it in Jesus' name. That Jesus never was dry. He, the rivers of water flowed through him. A passion for the Father. Intimacy with the Father. I said, the same Jesus is in you. He's the one cried out. In John 7, man, rivers of water will flow through you. Man, what are you doing in a desert land when, when the, you got rivers inside of you? Intimacy with the Father. Every person listening to the my sound of my voice, or watching, I don't care how you're watching, by DVD, listening, however you are, you have faith in you to have intimacy with the Father, 
like Jesus did. You say, how can you say that? Because I understand the gospel. God has called you to oneness, to intimacy. How can you enter into intimacy if you don't have faith to enter into it? The same faith that he had. And the intimacy with the Father is in you. Again, it's, the key is in you. His love is in you. Father, I will declare thy name so that you, they can be loved by the same love I was loved with so that your love can be in them, so I can be in them. The faith of God, oh, glory to God. The love of God according to the prayer of Jesus is in you. Jesus is in you. Faith is in you. The love of God is in you. The purity of God is in you. The faith for intimacy of God is in you. Woo! The kingdom of God is in you. Glory to Jesus. Glory, 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 glory. Shh, so much here, Jesus. So much. The desires of your heart. Psalm 37, 4 said, you delight in Jesus. He'll give you the desires of your heart. It could be numerous things. Could be marriage. Could be children. It could be when a children that's gone astray to come back. It can be to, to be a great soul winner. It could be to be entrepreneurial, to, to gain wealth so you can give it to missions. Intimacy with God. Can I tell you something? The desire that God put in you as you claim. Here's how you go to the Father. Father, you put the desire in me. I receive, Father, in Jesus' name, through the Holy Ghost who is in me, to cause that desire to come to pass. See, the prayer that starts in heaven will be answered by heaven. You didn't give yourself that desire, you know, to be married. You didn't give yourself that desire. To have that child. You didn't give yourself that desire to, to make a million dollars a year so you'd give it under the kingdom. You didn't give yourself that. Jesus gave the desire to you. He put it in you. See, that is the whole key. If it is in you, glory to God. He will cause it to come to pass. Glory to Jesus. Ministry. Ministry. You know, ministry is simply God putting in you a grace to be able to be anointed so you could accomplish his will of winning souls, binding up the brokenhearted, deliverance to the captive, physical wholeness, discipleship. It's a grace. Every one of these things that God gives us, it's a gift. It is a gift. Glory to God. Ministry is a gift. Glory to Jesus. I'm going to share different testimonies ministry-wise in just a minute. There's so much in the heart of God. Let me just say a few things before I share these testimonies. You know, I, I was thinking of a simple type of, you know, the, the different names of God, the glories of God, the virtues of God that are rightfully yours because he's placed them in you. His faith, his love, desires, abilities, they're in you. And I was thinking, you know what? You know, vitamins, 
nutrients, whether they come from fruits and vegetables and meats or wherever. You know what? You know, there's vitamin A, vitamin B, vitamin C, vitamin D, vitamin E, on and on. You know what? God, every one of those vitamins are important, nutrients to be in your body. You know, if you don't have enough vitamin C, you can get scurvy, man, which is a horrible disease. You receive all the nutrients you need through what you eat. And, and a lot of times we take vitamins. Can I tell you something? You know why they work? Because they get in you. What's in them gets in you and produces physical strength. And you don't want to be without any of them. How much more can we be without the virtues of which God's heart consists? How can we be without them? But this is where the devil comes in. You're not worthy. And most of the church, I'm going to be very honest with you. Why do you think I'm so excited right now? This has been in my spirit for decades to preach. I don't know why God said now. But he said now. Most of the church who love God really don't understand. Have never been taught what I'm sharing with you right now. They pray and pray and pray and pray. And most die praying. Rather than entering into understanding what the gospel is. The gospel is a gift. The righteousness of God, your born again spirit, is a gift. Every provision for every need you have is a gift. It's not something you work for. It's something you receive in worship, thanksgiving, with the understanding of grace, unmerited favor, and divine ability. It's amazing. Again, you see the heart of God through the word of God. The Bible is not a rule book to condemn you. It's a mirror of his heart. It's his heart. And you, with every scripture you read, it's about his heart. And then you confess when he says, by stripes you're healed. You confess the reality of this. Knowing that as you confess it, oh my. See, it's not just confessing the scripture. It's confessing knowing it. The Holy Ghost will infuse the life of Jesus to fulfill the scripture that you're confessing. That's where most people get disillusioned. They confess the word. And that's awesome. But they don't. Man, like Hosea 10.12 said, they don't sow with the view to righteousness to see it working. I'm here to tell you something. Just like the Holy Ghost confirmed the life of Jesus. This word is Jesus. And when you quote this word, when you get the word inside of you and you speak it, just like he confirmed the life of Jesus through his anointing, he will confirm the Jesus that you're speaking about by infusing this Jesus into you. Unto a life that is like Ephesians 3.20 says. It's amazing. Exceedingly and abundantly beyond what we can even ask or think. Joy unspeakable, full glory. Someone says, why is all this curse going on and cancer and COVID and sexual abuse and domestic abuse? God's intention was never for anyone to be hurt. 
His intention was for you to enter into the kingdom of God. What's the kingdom of God? It's when the life of the king becomes your life. Glory to God. Let me share some quick testimonies. Time goes so quick. You know, a guy that uh, discipled me. I've shared this before, but bears repetition in this context. Mark Gepard, he's director of Southeast Asian Prayer Center, helped disciple me. You know, uh, he was sharing a testimony with me. He was in the hill country of Guatemala. Very simply, he was church planning, got a, a young boy to read the Gospel of John in, in the language of his village. He said, I'll be back in three weeks, to, you know, because he had to leave. But before that, he, he said, can I pray for anything? The little boy, his sister, and the mom said, well, go in the back room. Please pray for our dad. Well, he prayed in, the, in other tongues. And then he, he got the interpretation. He said, I break the chains. And the man was laying down. And he, he yawned and just rolled over. I, and their eyes got real big. And, and my friend Mark, he thought there was a tarantula or something in there. And he just took off. He came back three weeks later. Uh, I believe it was a doctor in the helicopter flew him down there. And all these people were there. And Mark says, who are they here to see? And the doctor thought he was, you know, he said, why would you say that? He said, they're here to see you. He said, why? He said, because of that man you raised from the dead. He said, what man? He said, remember praying for this guy? He said, yeah, I thought that guy was sleeping. He said, Mark, that guy was dead. You know, they don't have funerals like we have in the United States. But see, what I want you to understand, when Mark spoke, it wasn't him speaking, it was God speaking through him. I break the chains, the chains of death. 1 Peter 4.11 says, if a man speaks, speak as if God were speaking through him. See, that's where we enter into the fear of God in a good way. It's so amazing that the very God of the universe, the omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent God, the amazing God, the exceedingly, infinitely amazing God, would cause his life, let his life be our life. Man, I, I, I've had this happen a hundred times. I was ministering. I heard the name come into me, K-L-C-A-E-L. -E Never heard of that name. The devil says, that's foolishness to speak it. No one has that name. I spoke it. I said, does this mean something? I said, somebody with this name, they're in trouble. So I said, does, somebody, does it mean something to someone? A lady was visiting the church. Said, I'm going down to the hospital right now. They're going to pull the plug on this little boy who's born with a half a heart. That's his name. I, we prayed for him. I said, tell the parents what happened. They, they did not pull the plug. That boy's alive and well today. Glory to Jesus. Why? You see, when I got that name, it was the mind of Christ manifesting through me. I mean, I live to have Jesus manifested through me and to me. It's the only way that life comes. But man, does it come? Glory to Jesus, glory to Jesus, glory to Jesus. I could share so many testimonies along this line. Man, a friend of mine, He's raising numerous people from the dead. David Hogan. And, and you know, we were having lunch one day, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I, I, we were just talking. I said, man, he's raised, I mean, hundreds of people from the dead. Someone says, I don't believe that. Well, then you need to believe the scripture, John 14, 12. Very humble man. 
I said, well, you know, how's this happen? He looked at me and said, when I see somebody that, that's been destroyed by premature death, maybe a young boy that's nine years old, I go to Jesus. And I say, Jesus, you said that I would do the works that you did. You raised the dead. You destroyed the curse of premature death. And he says, the faith of Jesus comes into me. The expectance of Jesus. And I can't tell you, his own grandson, he raised from the dead. When he was, man, died through being bitten by these killer bees in Mexico. I, I could go on and on and all the testimonies. The most amazing thing about God is God. Let me share this with you. You know, when Jesus was on the earth, the disciples saw him manifest the name of the Father, the name of healer, the name of resurrection when he raised Lazarus. They were there. He took with him Peter, James, and John when the little girl died, you know, in Mark 5. And he said, Talitha Kumai, I say unto you, uh, young damsel, arise. They saw it. And they were amazed by it. But listen to this. You know why Jesus had them see it? Not just so they could see that he was Messiah. But so that his life would become their life. You know what's amazing? Peter was in a place. And there's a man named Aeneas. He, he couldn't he didn't get out of bed for years. And Peter spoke just like Jesus and said, Aeneas, I say unto you, arise. And he did. But see, he was not imitating Jesus. Because he said in Acts 3, when him and John raised the crippled man who never walked, he said, it's not about me. It's all about Jesus. It's the faith that came by him, through him. It's his faith in me. When in, in, in Acts, man, when he came in, uh, uh, you know, Dorcas had died. And they called for Peter. He didn't know why, but then they showed him the dead body of Dorcas. He knew that he couldn't raise her, but he knew that Christ did him good. He knew that the faith of Christ threw him good. And he said, Dorcas, he took her by the hand. And said, I see into your eyes. That's why, that's where the name Christian came into, into play. So many miracles were coming into manifestation in Antioch. They started calling them Christians because they were doing the same things that Christ did. But Peter took no responsibility in the context of him bringing it about. It was manifested through him, but it was Jesus through him. It's all about Jesus. When you read the Bible, it's Jesus revealing unto you your need for him. Your need to be born again when you read John 3 and the discourse between Jesus and Nicodemus. You see 
your need for Jesus. You see the glory of Jesus. You see who he is when he says, before Abraham was, I am. I am almighty God. You see his love in becoming sin. In being pierced, his, his six-inch nails in his hands and his feet, being whipped to where there's no skin on his back, having his beard plucked out. You see his love. But the whole key to the Word of God is so the Word of God can get inside of you so it becomes more real to you and greater than what's on the outside. Your natural mind is on the outside. Your emotions are on the outside. These experiences of harm, man, that are so strong. Now they're in your soul, they're not in your spirit, they're in your soul. But as you see Jesus, as you enter into his word, you see he washes you of the abuse. He washes you of inability, of degradation, of being loved second best. He washes that from, from your soul. And he puts inside of you through his word, his being. He puts inside of you his very DNA through the new birth. He puts inside of you the third person of the Trinity. 1 Corinthians 6, 17. He who's one with the Holy Spirit is one with God. He gives you his word in John 17. It says that every believer, that even Jesus said, Father, even as you are in me and I in you, I'm to be in them and they in me. You are to be in them, and they in you. The Holy Spirit is to be in them, and they in him. That is ultra grace. It is ultra glory. It is ultra amazing. It is the gospel. So many people praying for faith. What has been given? Praying for love. Praying for purity. Praying for victory. Praying for grace to be passionate towards your spouse. Again, prayer is communicating with God. But the highest level of prayer is saying, Father, according to your name, in the name of Jesus Christ, Father, according to your virtue, according to what you consist of, your glory and your virtue, in the name of Jesus, through his sacrifice, by the power of the Holy Ghost who's in me, I receive who you are to be who I am. I receive who you are to be who I am. Glory to Jesus. And in the last few minutes, I have to reiterate a few things. The Father loves you. 
John 17, 23, as much as he loves his only begotten son. That's oneness. Jesus said in John 15, 9, I love you as much as I love the Father. The Spirit of God loves you as much as he loves the Father and the Son. God wants you to know as you've never known before what it really means to be a believer. Everything you do is under cultivating his faith. It's not about obtaining it. You've already been given it. Every time you get in the word, the faith of Jesus grows stronger. Every time you get in the word, the love of Jesus grows stronger. Every time you get in the word, glory to God, the passion for Jesus grows stronger as it gets into you and you confess it. Understanding, as you confess the word of God, confession means homologos, saying the same thing God says. Again, the prayer that starts in heaven is answered by heaven. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, who infuse the life of Jesus into you. I have a burden right now. Again, I see someone with cancer. And you say, there's no way out. And there is no way out in the natural. I see someone in a wheelchair. I see someone with bipolar. I see someone with dementia. I see someone estranged from God, thinking that they can't come back. I see someone, man, that, that you struggle so much with sexual sin. Man, you, you just don't, you, you don't, you can't even see right. But I see Jesus through the word of God saying my life destroys every cancer cell, everything it's done to you. And my life makes you whole. My life destroys the paralysis. It comes into you and makes you whole. My life destroys the dementia and gives you memory back. My life destroys the bipolar and gives you the mind of Christ. My life. I'm going to share John 17, 26 one more time and then I got to just declare something. Jesus said, I've declared, I've manifested thy name, Father. And I will declare it. I will manifest it. So the love that I was loved with, they will be loved with. And that love may be in them. Their spirit, their soul, their emotions, their mind, their bodies. And I in them. I want to hear one of the main ways it's declared. is through you. When you declare and confess the scriptures of who you are in Christ, that Christ you're in comes in you. You're the one to declare it. And the Spirit of God will cause Jesus Christ, his life, to become who you are. And the last thing I'll share, because this, this series to me is everything. It's everything. It's the gospel. How amazing is Jesus Christ? How amazing is God? To be able to take you and I 
who were hell bound, put his DNA in us. Then through the Holy Ghost, accentuate this DNA into Christ living in us. So it's him and not us. You know why? Please listen to this. If you ever listen to anything, the more one you are with God, the more intimate you are with God, the more you live, the more you enter into this oneness is the more you give the Father the right to love you. The more you enter into this and see what the gospel entails, the more you enter in to what you've been made for. Koinonia, intimacy with God Almighty. As your Father, as your Savior and Lord, as your best friend, the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I live through eating of the Father. Prayer is eating of Jesus. And Jesus said, even as I eat of the Father and live by him, so he eats of me. Again, how do we eat of him? Through the Father's heart, manifesting through the blood of Jesus, through the power of the Holy Ghost, as you declare through the scriptures what his life is and receiving that as you do so, his life is now your life. His life is now your life to his glory, to his honor, and to his praise.